I, I know my rights. I, I'm an American citizen. And you, you have off. No, you get out of the car. I, I know my rights, motherfucker. And that's the way it starts. Hello and welcome to the Evil Lawyer's Guide to Life. I am Jay Lucas, the Evil Lawyer. Today we're going to talk about I Know My Rights. Because none of you do. And if you do, you've got some vague concept that's probably wrong. And everyone has watched Live PD or Cops and seen them pour some drunk guy out of the car screaming about how he knows his rights and he's an American citizen and they can't make him get out of the car or he's one of those militia guys who says he's traveling and therefore he's not obligated to have a license tag or follow the law. One of my friend's dads when I was growing up was one of those guys. It was a religious thing with him though. And he he made his own driver's license and he made his own tags and he registered them. A municipality of the town where I lived in let him get away with it. But that's kind of a rare case. So I don't know where I'm going to really address the militia thing and how I feel about it, how much I agree with them and how much I don't. Hint. Today or not, we'll probably save that for another show. But what I am going to address is your rights and you don't know them. So have a cold one and listen to this. Have you ever had a party at your house and had the cops show up at your door? I know I have more than once. They show up and they ask you, you know, they beat on the door, like all scary. They, they might ring the doorbell first, but usually they just start beating on the door all scary-like and then tell you to come out. If you do go out there and you're hammered like you probably will be because it's your party and you'll drink if you want to, if they're in a good mood, they might tell you to just turn the music down and let you go back inside. If it's the third or fourth time they've been out that night, or if they don't like the way you look, or if you're a little bit rude to him, or if he didn't get any that morning because his wife was mad at him, you're going to jail. You know why you're going to jail? They're going to charge you with public intoxication. And you're like, well, my front porch isn't public. And tell that to the judge because you may beat the rap, but you're not going to beat the ride. If any of you have never heard that before, it's an old cop saying, it's a lawyer saying that uh, you might beat the case, but you're still going to jail. And there's nothing like being in jail when you know there's a bunch of maniacs in your house throwing a party. And you don't know whether you're going to come home to a wrecked house or a wrecked house with all your stuff gone or a smoking hole in the ground. I've been through this situation before myself, and as a attorney, oh, let me do the disclaimer. Nothing you hear on this show is to intended to be used as legal advice. We are not creating an attorney-client relationship, and the only way you get legal advice out of me is if we have an attorney-client relationship. Therefore, this show is for entertainment purposes only, and if you do exactly what I say, really bad things may happen to you, so get your own lawyer or you can always contact me at theevillawyersguide.com or 844-EVIL-LAW or at, face, at Evil Lawyers Guide on Facebook and Twitter. But back to the, uh, the cops at your door. This goes under the Fourth Amendment, uh, which is 
Well, it contains a lot of stuff, but one of them is unreasonable search and seizure. And the fact that you're having a party doesn't mean they can just kick the door in. Now, they're going to threaten to. They're going to threaten to kick the door in if you refuse to open it. And I'll tell you from personal experience, they won't. And this may have had something to do with me going, I'm a lawyer. You know who I am. But um, it, it may have had something to do with them knowing what, where, their, uh, where their power ends and your rights begin. Uh, but I'll tell you a story. I had some friends over one night. We were projecting a movie on the side of the house, and we were all in the pool, and we were getting a little rowdy, and um, drinks were served, and you know people were making some noise. And I guess one of my neighbors shall be referred to as F and C word sucker. If you didn't listen to last week's show, I don't live there anymore, so I can talk about him all I want. Call the police. And so when the police got there and started beating on the front door, we couldn't hear them because we were out in the back having a good time. And so uh, they blipped their sirens a few times from my circle drive in front of my house. And we heard that. So, and then we saw them driving down the alley and they were spotlighting um, up against the fence and everything and, you know, generally treating my house like it was an Al-Qaeda training camp. And so I went to the front door and immediately, you know, the guy's using his flashlight to beat on my $5,000 front door and uh, screaming at me to come out of the house, get out of the, open the door, open the door, or we're going to kick it down. And I said, no, you're not. And he gave me that look like when you talk to your dog, and your dog really doesn't have any idea what you're saying unless the words are walk, car, truck, or food. And so he just kind of cocks his head. So the cop looked at me through the, the, the window in the door, and I said, you don't have probable cause. And I might have slammed. It probably sounded more like, yeah, you got probable cause, man. But I'd like to think I said it all, you know, lawyerly, like, you don't have probable cause, sir. Because he didn't. He had probable cause to believe that we might have been making noise, but that doesn't give him probable cause to kick in my door and come in my house. Probable cause to kick in your door and come in your house is someone is screaming bloody murder in there. Your neighbors call and say they heard gunshots in your house. Um, Probable cause to do under those circumstances requires that they believe there's uh, imminent danger involving someone's life or a very serious crime. If they have information that you're a meth dealer and they just did a, they're doing a buy bust and you just sold little Timmy a rock down the street and it turns out he's a narc, then, um, you know, they're going to kick your door in because they're going to claim that if they don't kick your door in, that you're going to get rid of the evidence and blah, 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 and whether or not that flies or not, maybe we'll do a show on motion to suppress. But anyway, so this cop got even more pissed off and was screaming at me that if you don't open this oven door, you know, we're going to kick it down, and I'm yelling at him, you don't have probable cause, you need to go away and come back with a warrant. And finally, you know, he's after about 15 times of demanding that I come out on the front porch, I said, no, if I come out on the front porch, you're going to arrest me for uh, drunk in public or 
disorderly conduct or something. You're going to you're going to think up something to arrest me for. And I'm standing there, you know, in swim trunks and okay, I'm standing there in nothing in a bathrobe because I don't wear swim trunks in my own pool. And after a, a standoff of about 15 minutes or so, he left claiming he was going to go get a warrant. And I said, good luck with that. You call a judge. I know all of them. Why don't you call a judge up and tell him that you're at my house and I was making too much noise in my pool and you need a warrant to bust down my door. Good luck. But uh, being the crack officer that he was, he he went away. I don't know. He probably went and had a donut. Hey, I'm not bagging on cops. I got a bunch of cop friends. We used to all have breakfast together down at Char Bar before they closed it. But, you know, he probably went and had a donut or maybe a prostitute. I, I don't know. But anyway, he came back and uh, produced some papers, which looked suspiciously like some of his mail that he just got out of the car and said, Here's, I got a warrant. Open the door. I'm going to kick it in. And I said, put the warrant through the mail slot so I can read it. At which point, he obviously didn't have a warrant. You know, blustered a lot and finally told me this was my lucky night and I better keep it down. If he ever has to come back to this house again, everybody's going to jail. Meanwhile, my guests are all terrified and cowering by the pool house. And... That was the end of it. Nothing happened. Um, I didn't even get a noise citation. What I, I guess what I'm getting at here is when someone wearing a uniform shows up at your front door and starts screaming that you better come out or you better let them in, Mm-mm. no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you better not. Um, at this point, uh, they're, they're looking for evidence. They've already decided that if they can get their mitts on you, they're going to arrest you. And turn the music down a little bit. Depends on what time it is, too. At least in Texas, it's if it's before 10 o'clock, you can get pretty rowdy. If it's after 10 o'clock, you have to turn it down. You might get a noise citation stuck to your front door, which is a ticket. And then you'll have to you know, go to court or call a ticket lawyer or whatever. But if you step out, yeah, you're probably going to go to jail. And uh, they're probably going to come in and rifle through your house and find whatever, you know, if they find cash, they're going to claim that it's the proceeds of a crime and seize it. And they can even monkey branch that whole thing into seizing your house and everything else, believe it or not. Um, I had a case like that once. But I'm not saying don't cooperate, but know your rights and don't just scream that you know them, actually know them. And that brings me to another case I had one time where a guy who was having a great big loud party at his, he owned a, he basically lived in a nightclub in Deep Ellum. And if you're not from Dallas, Deep Ellum is where there's a lot of bars and clubs and stuff, uh, or at least there used to be. I think it's on its way back again. It happens every few years. Deep Ellum's always on its way back. But... um he was he he did open the door and promptly passed out in the the foyer of his his nightclub slash house and was arrested and written uh, they they wrote on the report disordinary conduct which is hilarious because if you knew this buddy of mine he was anything but ordinary 
but disordinary conduct is not a crime. So we just kept quiet about it until trial day, and they never changed it. No one ever paid attention. So um, went down, said, Your Honor, I'm holding the Texas Penal Code in my hand. Disordinary conduct is not a crime. Case dismissed. That was the end of it. Uh, If it had been a bigger deal, they could have modified the charging instrument, which is lawyer talk for changing that, or uh, refiled, which is what happens after a case is dismissed if the DA is really pissed off and really wants you. Uh, And that's also what happens, by the way, when you get a hung jury. So when you see these guys, they go to trial, and you see it on court TV or, you know, whatever, uh, ID investigation, ID, the murder network, we all watch. We don't want to admit it, but everybody's watching it. And you see there's a, a mistrial for a hung jury or something else happens. That doesn't mean you get you get to walk away free and clear. Uh, double jeopardy is what attaches when there's uh, other situations like you're found not guilty. Or there's some weird lawyer nerd stuff you can email me about, and I'll tell you where Jeopardy attaches. But a mistrial? No. No, it just means the state gets to come at you again, so your legal fees just doubled at least. And they almost always do. But uh, from disordinary conduct, we go to disorderly conduct. And if you think you have a First Amendment right to free speech that is absolute, you are wrong. If you get in someone's face at Neiman's because they grab the last Prada bag and start screaming and yelling and lose your absolute shit and telling them F you and everything else and an officer standing there and hears it, you're going to get charged with disorderly conduct. If you say all that stuff to an officer, you won't. Because the way the law is written, cops cannot be complainants in disorderly conduct cases under those circumstances. So if you tell a cop to go F himself, you won't get arrested. But if you tell your cousin to go F himself right in front of a cop, you might. Now, that cop may drag you out of the car and beat the ever-living snot out of you and then arrest you for resisting, but you're not going to get a disorderly conduct. And here's one of my favorites from my old drug cases. I used to do a lot of them, and I still do a few. Well, I asked him if he was a cop, and he said he wasn't. Have you ever heard about being undercover? Uh, asking someone if they're a cop, unless you just want to know what they do for a living because you're having a drink with them or something, has absolutely no legal effect whatsoever. Uh, back in the 70s, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that an investigator or a police officer, cop, detective, whatever, agent, can lie cheat, say anything it takes to make his case. So you can ask him if he's a cop, and he can say, no, as a matter of fact, I'm Elvis Presley. And it doesn't make a damn bit of difference, and you're still going to get jammed up for whatever you do after he tells you, no, I'm not a cop. Why would you think that? Now back to that eight kilos we were talking about you selling me. Are you a cop is... One of the dumbest urban legends that criminals repeat over and over again when they're hiring lawyers, and they're hiring lawyers because they got caught, and that's one of the reasons why. Fifth Amendment, you have the right to remain silent. I suggest you always use that. In fact, the right to remain silent 
not only works really great if you're looking at down the barrels, metaphorically speaking, of a criminal charge, it works great in everyday life. A lot of times you just need to keep your damn mouth shut. And, you know, it reminds me of back when he was funny, you know, Ron White did a whole bit about I had the right to remain silent. I just didn't have the ability. And that does happen a lot. I mean, I've watched videotapes of clients who are arrested for various offenses involving drugs and alcohol, uh, DWIs and BWIs, that's boating while intoxicated. And uh, never had an FWI flying while intoxicated, but um, I do know of one. And you're hammered, you're wasted, you're all wound up because you just got pulled over and you can't shut up. And it's one of the things that, that officers love to do, and that is um, they know you can't shut up. And even if you're not wasted, people can't abide silence, especially now. So they'll put you in the back of that patrol car and they'll just sit there or they'll drive, you know, while they're driving you the long route to the station, they won't say a word and they haven't Mirandized you and uh, because they're waiting for you to not be able to tolerate the silence because you're in a high stress situation and you're going to start rattling. and, and, And when they say anything you say, can and will be used against you. They really do mean anything you say. I mean, they're looking at a chink in the arm or something they can grab onto and then monkey branch their way all the way to the top of the tree. So, um, and that's another big criminal misconception or, or big misconception of people who've been criminally charged that they'll come in and they're like, yeah, I admitted that I'm chopped up my ex and was on my way to Home Depot to buy a shovel and some bags and decided to pull over and get good and drunk so I could get through the whole thing. And I got pulled over and I told the cop, you know, I I was on my way to Home Depot because I chopped up my ex and needed to get some shovels and some bags because Billy didn't have a shovel and we was out of trash bags. I told that bitch to go to Sam's and, uh, but he hadn't Mirandized me yet, and that's illegal. No, it's not, and you're screwed. Police are supposed to Mirandize you. That's the, uh, you know, remember in Dragnet, like that 60-year-old TV series that runs late at night, where they would say, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you can afford an attorney, one will be provided to you. All that, that's from Miranda. And uh, it comes out of a case against a guy whose last name was Miranda. And they're supposed to tell you that before they start questioning you. Now, if they're, they're not questioning you if you're just running your mouth. Because questioning has been defined as you're in custody, they're asking you questions, and you're responding to those. So if you're just running your mouth, that's not questioning. They don't have to Mirandize you at all. As a matter of fact, most of them don't. On initial arrest, most of them will not Mirandize you. They will just take you to the station, and the detectives may Mirandize you when you go into that little room to be interviewed a day or two later, unless you've already gotten bonded out. But they don't have to Mirandize you at all. Now, where it comes into play is if they don't Mirandize you and they do question you, then 
your attorney, if he's any good, is going to file what's called a motion to suppress, and that is asking the court to throw out all the evidence and all the evidence that came from that evidence and all the evidence that came from that evidence is called fruit of the poisonous tree. You ask the court to throw all that out because you were denied your rights under Miranda. So it's not an automatic get out of jail free card. You still got to do the dance until the music stops. And the music stops if you win that motion to suppress because with no evidence, they have no case. And those cases get dismissed. Now what does what people never really mention is when those cases get dismissed, you're on their radar. And if it's a drug case, especially if it's a big one, or say you're running a chop shop, Trying to think of some instances where I've been the attorney, um, or you're involved in <clears throat> prostitution, um, they're going to yeah they'll just that case will get dismissed, but you're going to be watched. You're you're going to be what the criminals call used to call hot. You're going to be hot for a while. They're going to be keeping an eye on you. They may keep an eye on you for years. If it's federal, they may keep an eye on you for decades because. The federal uh, authorities, authorities, are like Joe Pesci in that gangster movie. They just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And you also have the right to due process, and you shall not be deprived of right of uh, you shall not be deprived of life or liberty or stuff without due process. Now, this is one where they really screwed us. Um, there are so many bureaucratic laws on the books. Uh, and by bureaucratic laws, I mean laws enforced by various bureaucracies about seizure of assets that you can be minding your own business. In fact, there's a story out of Oklahoma where a lot of the Oklahoma state police got debit card readers so they could basically aim that thing at your wallet and tell how much money you had on your debit cards in your bank accounts or on any kind of um, gift cards. And the the big fat lie behind that was they had a stolen gift card problem. But basically what they would do is confiscate all that and say, well, it was from a crime. And you know that whole innocent until proven guilty thing? Man, that went out the window a long time ago, especially with forfeiture cases. You have to file a lawsuit within a very limited number of days, depending on the state. Um, it used to be five in Texas. I think it's gone up to seven or ten now, but some places it's three. You have to go get a lawyer and file a lawsuit to recover that property. And if you don't have an attorney on retainer or aren't friends with one who's represented you in the past, three days to go find an attorney and get a lawsuit on file is just about impossible unless you have the kind of deep pockets to make it happen. So you ain't getting that El Camino back. And uh, I did a case years ago where a guy had a, I think it was a 75-footer. It was a big yacht, not big by today's standards, but back then that was big. And they they got, I don't remember how they got onto his boat now, but it was down in, uh, off Houston, uh, whatever the, the bay is down there. And they searched that yacht and they found three joints, three, uh, three marijuana cigarettes, uh, which basically is legal practically everywhere now. And <clears throat> they seized the yacht 
uh, over the three cigarettes, claiming that they were his, and that was uh, evidence of a criminal enterprise being run and all this other nonsense. Well, they took this guy's multi-million dollar boat. He had a crew of seven, so it could have belonged to anybody, but that's not really the point. The point is that law enforcement seizures, it doesn't go doesn't all go to the federal government. The federal government splits it, and they kick back half of it to the cops that took it from you. So they have a profit motive in seizing your stuff. They've seized houses. We used to do a lot of cases where people who were accused of being, you know, drug lords or kingpins, or maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but they would have houses seized, ranches seized, uh, entire collections of very expensive Italian cars seized, and then you know we would have to file a lawsuit to get uh, to get that stuff back. And here's the really funny thing: they can seize your stuff and not ever charge you with a crime, and that's a big kick in the balls. But a bigger kick in the balls is they can seize your stuff, charge you with a crime, and you can be found not guilty, and they still get to keep the stuff. So if you ever run into a seizure situation, okay, that sounded funny, but if you ever run into one of these situations, you have to get on it immediately or you're never going to see that stuff again. And they know when they're seizing like $2,500 cars or $5,000 cars or $10,000 boats or, you know, a stack of $1,000 you had in your wallet, they know when they do that that you can't get an attorney to fight that case for you know less money than they just took from you. So they know they're going to get to keep it. And that's something that you should, if you're a congressman writer or if you have any kind of uh, political clout, that's something that you should really be complaining about because that is, not, that is not America. They should not be able to just take your shit because you have it and they want it. That's theft. Theft is illegal. I don't care who commits the theft. It's wrong. Even if the government is the one doing the stealing, it's still wrong. It shouldn't happen. But it happens, believe it or not, it happens every single day. We used to get more of these cases than we could handle. And ours, obviously, they were big. They were ranches, houses, yachts, entire collections of Italian cars, jewelry, um, 15 or 20 watches that make a Rolex look like a Timex. I mean, these were serious, but when you would go down to litigate these, you would see hundreds and hundreds of cases against $2,200 cash. Because I do these shows kind of on the fly, and I don't sit down with a bunch of research because I want you guys to enjoy them. But they aren't just entitled to take your money, but they kind of are, and they do. And that brings us to my favorite amendment. Actually, I love them all, but the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment, you have to think back, and if you go to government school and take revisionist history, you probably don't know a lot of this stuff, but um, when the Bill of Rights was written, we had just fought a successful guerrilla war against the world's greatest superpower, Britain. We were at constant war with the Indian nations, and off and on with Spain. And there already were militia groups. 
the entire army basically was a militia group. They were a bunch of colonists and farmers and what have you that took up arms against the greatest superpower the world had ever seen until us and beat them. And they recognized the tyranny that they had run from and the tyranny that they had fought and defeated, and they didn't want to have to do it again. So they put the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights right after the first, and you can't have the first without the second, because if they take the second, trust me, you won't be able to exercise the first. So the Second Amendment was designed so that the populace would have a means of defense not only against a burglar, not only against Bambi, but against a tyrannical government. We can have a whole show about whether or not we exist under tyranny. I don't think we necessarily exist under tyranny of our elected officials, but the government is not run by our elected officials. It's run by a massive bureaucracy. So there isn't one big dictator telling you what you can and cannot do. There are thousands upon thousands of little tiny dictators telling you what you can and cannot do in your own little life in every different facet of it. And if you don't believe that, try and build a new fence around your house without a permit or put in a garden shed. Try and, oh, rip that tag off that mattress. (laughs) There is tyranny and we do live under it, but it's not it's not the kind that you think of when you think of, you know, a dictatorship or whatever. But that was the reason for the Second Amendment. Now, we're going to do an entire show about the Second Amendment. We may do two of them. So I'm just going to hold that for now. But I want to close with something that um, I wrote all by myself. When they took away my Fifth Amendment rights, I didn't say anything because I didn't have anything to hide. When they took away my Fourth Amendment rights, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a criminal. When they took away my Second Amendment rights, I didn't say anything because I didn't own any guns. And when they took away my First Amendment rights, I didn't say anything because I wasn't allowed to. And with that, thank you for listening. Have an evil day.